Can Alecos, uh, Piccolo, and Carr join me up here? Let's do it. And give them a round of applause. Who else has a third space? I think Atlanta's got one. Belgrade. Belgrade, yeah. Pavel's Pavel's not here. Germany has one. Miami, yeah. Where's Roz? Roz is not here yet. Okay. These are the craziest motherfuckers in the world on stage right here. What in the world are you each thinking by having your own Bitcoin space is my first question. That's the question I wake up to every day. So I'm curious to know your guys, each of your answers. And I'll start with Piccolo. Well, I mean, I think the way I started uh, Bob Space, yeah, was almost by, well, I didn't have a place to go to to talk to Bitcoiners. That was the initial sort of impetus for it. And then I looked around, uh, talked to Bitcoiners and country. You know, during COVID, uh, during the, you know, and we interacted a lot on Clubhouse back then, right? Before Twitter spaces became a thing. And then from there, you know, people were talking about it in the local community and they have no place to go. And it so happened that uh, my Fiat business, we switched offices. So we rented a garden home and converted into like an open floor office space, but nobody came to work. Okay, because this was right after COVID. So since nobody came to work, I just made like the upstairs office for that particular company. And the rest of it, uh, I just turned it into a Bitcoin co-working slash hacker space. And you were there, Lakos. And then, you know, we, we converted the garage into a little mining lab because the fiat company I run, we diversified into Bitcoin mining. And generally speaking, if you run a mine, you know, you always have machines on repair, stuff like that. So the mining lab was, you know, for me and, um, well, basically me to make mining repairs and run it. And that also became a showcase for when Bitcoiners stopped by. But the general impetus, right, was that there was no place to talk and interact, you know, with Bitcoiners and exchange pure signal. Everything else that was going on uh, in country was geared towards crypto, Web3, altcoins, shitcoins, and I didn't want none of that. So, yeah, that was it. I'm gonna really selfish reason. It, this is the most selfish thing I've ever done in my life, so I, I can relate to that, that's for sure, with Bitcoin Park. I want to come back to like your fiat job in the background, but Alicos, to do this like a hacker space with all the other things that you're starting and not finishing, yeah. and then you decided to start a hacker space. Yeah. And you could tell us the location and then the impetus for starting it. Yeah, so, I mean, by the way, I've and been And hopefully the, you finish this all the way through, by the way. Yeah. I've been to the Bangkok space. The place is crazy. Super cool. So if you can, check it out. Um, yeah, for me, I think the thing was, I've been working on Bitcoin for a few years now. I've been, I traveled a little bit. I've been to a few places. Um, I think, in particular, Parallel Nipolis in Prague was the, the big kind of inspiration. Like, when I was there, I thought it was super cool. I, I wanted to have something similar. Uh, where I live, uh, which is in uh, Brescia, Italy, small town uh, near Milan. So this was actually at the time when I kind of started thinking about it, I was living in Milan. So I wanted to do it in Milan, but rent and, and physical spaces were too expensive um, to, to make it work, essentially. So uh, I figured it was not really possible to do it there. Uh, then I moved back to my own town, which is, again, Brescia. There... Uh, it's, it's much cheaper, kind of a kind of a smaller town, obviously. So it's uh, you can rent with 
less than 1,000 bucks per month and uh, in, in nice, decent office. Uh, so when I moved back there, the, the thing kind of started uh, running again in my head. I was working from home. I didn't really like working from home. I, I wanted to be at least in, at least I wanted to have an office to go to, even better if it's shared with other people, if other Bitcoiners are there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. At some point I was like, yeah, let's, let's fucking do it. Let's um, fucking do it. Yeah. And by the way, Piccolo, are you from Bangkok? Yeah, I was born there, but I spent, well, we moved to the States when I was six. So yeah, my you formative the, years. But your formative years, but now obviously you live in Bangkok, yeah. uh, your family's well, in Bangkok. Uh, I married a Thai woman. And that's how I ended up back in Thailand. So, okay. yeah, there we go. Because I think there's going to be a common thread of um, how each of us are real, uh, have a deep relationship with the city or the place that we're in um, across these third spaces. Well said, Alikos. Car, what the fuck are you doing? Um, with Pleb Lab, just even to yeah. start that, which is a, such an awesome project. I, I, like, honestly, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I'm trying to save the fucking world. Like, I'm not I'm just like all in. How, what do you mean when you say you're trying to save the world? That sounds I, I like think, a grandiose. I think for me at these days, it's just about impact. I, I could give a shit about everything else. Like I'm at a point now where I bet everything on it. So it's just like, how do I get to hyper-Bitcoinization faster? And um, I'm trying some crazy shit, but I think we get there. Yeah. That's so hyper-Bitcoinization against grassroots. I will say the one little area I have like a little bit of a... Is kerfuffle the right word around that? Like when people are saying like hyper-Bitcoinization versus grassroots? Because I agree with you. I want to save the world in many different ways, but I don't want to get paralyzed by the complexity or the grandioseness of it all. That then just paralyzes me. So how do I start? I start with like just one person, you know, and like, hey, you want to learn about Bitcoin? Let's go from there. Um, look, can you tell everybody who hasn't been to Pleb Lab uh, a little bit about your project? Yeah, um, I took over Plub Lab in February, um, shifted, pivoted more to a hackerspace model, uh, and and now we're entirely focused on developers and builders. So we're doubling down on that. Um, we're six blocks away from the commons, so we have a really good relationship with Kaylee, Parker, and everybody there. Uh, we share resources, people, anything uh, to make it work. And then we have like Joe Rogan in the middle between us that we're trying to orange pill. Everybody's trying to attack him. So wait, legit Joe's office is yeah. Thing? He has a comedy mothership, so we're all we're we're all together trying to figure out how to get Joe to either one of those places. Uh, but you know, hopefully in twelve months. That's good. Good to know. So my next question is because me and Matt are still trying to figure this out. How do you make Plab Lab sustainable? Um, I'm still trying to figure it out too. Like we have conversations, right? Like uh, we share a lot. Oh, um, actually, let me back up. What's your guys' like model? And I'll go down the, the line. Like, how do you guys make money to make it sustainable? And then what's your plan to make yeah, it sustainable? Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different revenue streams. One of the most interesting ones that came out this year was the the lightning, the 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 building, the physical building stack and sats. Um, it works really well with with uh, with a lot of cool stuff that we have there. Um, that's surprising. I, I didn't see that as a revenue model. Uh, initially, so that's earned a lot of Bitcoin, um, and then we, yeah, obviously the membership stuff, uh, sponsorship stuff. I mean, you you really have to have, you really have to like really uh, look at everything. And I have we have like twelve different revenue streams. So, you, I'll come back to that. Yeah. I'm curious to know, Alex, Alex, your guys' side. Yeah, so we have a 
maybe a bit of a weird model because as I said, uh, in Italy, especially in, in smaller towns, it's pretty cheap. So we think we can sustain ourselves with uh, mainly donations and sponsorships. So that's what we are kind of targeting. We're not there yet. So right now we're also, we're basically splitting up our space into two different phases. Uh, during work hours, it's basically co-working. So we charge people to come to the co-working. But that's kind of a secondary thing for us. We mainly want to be an acre space. We mainly want to be uh, like that club where people go to in the night. Uh, so the acre space part is free. Uh, at least it is right now. We hope we can keep it like that uh, forever going forward. Um, so yeah, right now we're basically charging people for the co-working. We're trying to set up sponsorships and stuff. I'll also mention uh, we are joining uh, this, uh, I think it's going to be called the Lugano Plan B network. So there are people in Lugano trying to build like a physical hub and they also want to basically create a network of other spaces around the world where people can become a member of one space and maybe travel to the others or this kind of stuff. Like kind of a... Like a global Like pass. a federation of yeah. uh, independent spaces. Um, so we're also trying to join that, hoping that that's going to bring uh, more people. Eventually, I hope we'll just manage to sustain ourselves with sponsorships and, and uh, donations and really focus on the Acre space uh, as a like an open space. You can just come there and, and, and join us and, and talk to us. My two takeaways from that is keeping your costs low and then finding what you love. For you, I think it seems like the hacker space area yeah. is like your passion. Yeah, right? we don't want to be a co-working. I think that's, we're just doing it to, to <laughs> raise some money. But eventually, I, I think the focus should go on the hacker space side. Because also, like co-working, most people, I think in Italy, there's still kind of the, uh, the thing that you work at your company. Like co-working, co-workings in general are not that popular. So if we focus on the co-working, it would be just the four or five, same four or five guys every day. Instead, if we focus on the hacker space, we have more, like more people coming. They, they work their job and then they come in the evening or they come in the weekend. So I think it makes sense to, to really focus on that one. Very cool. What are you, Piccolo? Yeah, for us, I think um, the main, let's say, sustainable stream, I suppose, is you know, the fact that we share resources and office space with uh, the fiat business, right? So that's an implicit corporate sponsorship, if you will. But the rest of it, uh, uh, donations and grants, you know, HRF, open sets, et cetera, uh, Geyser, shout out to them. Um, and then uh, kind of like you guys with uh, co-working space fees, but we also have sort of segregated meeting rooms and offices where teams can come in and rent the office uh, for their team for the week, the month, the quarter, etc. So you guys, the BDK team, did that for two weeks in Bangkok. Again, they were there just working their magic. And, you know, when they were done, they gave a workshop uh, on, was it elephant? You guys did the elephant thing, right? Yeah, in yeah. Bangkok, yeah? Yeah, it was going to be a workshop about Miniscript, but we didn't want to make it too technical. So in like a few days, we created this web like interface thing called elephant. And then, yeah. Yeah, we, he said we a few for... days, but... The guys who did it, like it was day. overnight. Yeah, yeah, it was like from 2 to like 6 a.m. I think yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. did it. It was yeah. fun. No, but I mentioned that because that was, an, uh, that, and, and that became a technical workshop, which we have kept it going, you know, every month. And the technical workshops, generally speaking, when we uh, make people RSVPs, they pay fees, right, to come. They pay a small fee in SATs, in fiat, whatever. 
And when we receive that, then we split it with the presenters um, who are presenting the thing. And as they're doing that, they're getting feedback from the audience uh, and the audience is learning from them. And, you know, we hope to keep that going. And that's, I think, an incentive, I think, for both sides to come to these workshops to get something out of it. Yeah. Do you think you would have met Alicos and had this relationship if it wasn't for Bob's space? Oh, no, because this is one of those things where, I don't know, Alicos, you tell me, because you guys were coming to, you guys were like a team of developers from different corners of the world. And you wanted to find some place like in the middle where you guys could meet. And it just so happens that it was Bangkok. And how did you find us? Yeah, maybe tell us. Yeah. I actually, I don't remember. Um, I don't know. Sorry? Evan. Oh, ah, maybe Evan. Evan. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Evan from Taiwan. We were, there was Daniel and I from Italy, uh, Raj from India. Uh, Bangkok was kind of easy for everybody to reach. And yeah, maybe Evan found out about the place. And yeah, no, it's, it's I'm really happy we, we found uh, it. It was, it was super cool. And, and for us, I think one last thing is that actually gave us maybe the confidence and a little bit of validation that perhaps we're on the right track because when they completed their program, you know, they had a good experience and then our community members also had a good experience and learning from that tool. And, you know, if you guys want to learn about Miniscript, BDK, I think Elephant, dude, by far is the best tool because you can actually visualize it, you know, in terms of like spending policies, multi-sig policy so good job on that dude. it's yet another thing that we created and kind of abandoned because we cannot really keep up with everything but still works though. I mean, the, the core projects we are keeping up with them so like bdk even if i'm not really working on it anymore there's other people uh elephant is kind of we, we made it in yeah like a night and then it's kind of abandoned there but it's working so until somebody complains it's just gonna even though stay there. everyone who asked me like should i start a third space and i try to talk them out of it because of you know the amount of work the amount of capital you're definitely going to lose and so on one of the coolest things out there and it's extremely selfish but the amount of people that come to visit you and the new relationships that you form that you otherwise would not have formed by hosting that that third space um there's no like there's no way to quantify that. So, and there's no way to like, oh, here are all the new relationships I'm going to have with this, this, this person. The people that walk through your doors will just, I mean, I, I, even with Pleb Lab, um, could be uh, pretty much amazing. And by the way, you guys have the highest concentration of probably Bitcoiners and Bitcoin devs. So I'm curious to know like how you guys are um, creating programs, creating other ways to foster and bring that kind of community together? Because you mentioned a number of different things. Yeah, I think uh, we got very lucky in 2021, uh, you know, Parker, you know, sending the, the bad signal and everything. Um, and then uh, most of our friends were devs just naturally and just listening to them and what they wanted. They wanted to. What do devs want? Well, in 2021 in Austin, they wanted a they wanted to hang out with me and Kyle and Keon at Capital Factory, and so they would come, they would uh, they would say, "Hey, cake, hey, car, can we come over?" And we would. They would come over. The next thing you know, you know, the, the vice president that Kyle Orange built gave us a space because we were just going to go and get a house. And he gave it to you for free. Yeah, he gave it to us for free uh, because Let's he, go. he saw how hard we were working for Austin Bitcoin Club and you know bringing in people. Uh, into that building. Um, and then uh, we just got a 
group of guys. Um, I don't want to dox any of them, but like we had like 10 really cool uh, developers inside Plub Lab at Capital Factory. And then people like Matt and Marty would come over. And Matt Odell would go down to Austin, Texas. Yeah, he would come, he'd come through Plub Lab in the early days and check out what we were doing. Nick Carter would come and drop some stardust on us. Um, <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. People would show up and then, um, you know, we, and then Michael showed up. We convinced Michael to come over there. And then we, we changed Austin forever after the, uh, the block party. I think that's when it like really changed things was, yeah. That, so that's a great uh, segue, it's parties. What, can you, yeah, go ahead, Alex. No, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's, it's interesting because we have a bit of a different model. We're also a developer focused space, but there are not that many Bitcoin developers in Italy, or at least around our area. Actually, I think only Daniel and I, the, the two founders are actual Bitcoin devs. So what we're doing is we're trying to bring average developers, like normal people, and trying to convert them into uh, toxic maxi Bitcoiners. So I know Brescia and I know uh, Austin, but in, and I assume in Bangkok, there's probably a technical or another, like a big, large university nearby your yeah. space. Is that we, correct, Piccolo? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like technical education, uh, I don't think Thailand is the best, but we're not the worst. So there is, you know, developer talent there, but what we've seen is if they get involved in, let's say the crypto space, it's usually not Bitcoin, right? Because I think Bitcoin open source development is very much geared towards proof of work. You build something cool, people use it, and then maybe you find a way to monetize. Where I think if you're a developer and you have any sort of talent and you're fiat-minded, it's probably much easier to get a job in a web through your crypto company, right? Because they have these budgets and things like that. So yeah, but developer talent, yes, that's that. Uh, although I think the job market over where we are and probably throughout most of Southeast Asia is probably geared towards, you know, developers going into the traditional big giant techs, right? Like the Google, the Amazons, and they, they have branches over there. But yeah. No, the reason why I bring that up is like if you're thinking of a third space and like the location of that, we're 15 walking distance from the Vanderbilt kids walk over here to the park and Belmont's right over here. You guys are, I think, walking distance to UT, yeah, the other UT. Yeah, by the way, you got the, the other UT. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, 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 meaning the other UT because Tennessee is the number one UT. <laughs> oh, no, not even uh, close. <laughs> sorry. See, my jokes just fall. And then Brescia, you have a technical university, is that correct? Yeah, we have a technical university and a technical high school. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to explain because it's different probably in the US, but uh, that's the school Daniel and I went to. So we know a bunch of people that also went to the school. So those are the first people that we are trying to onboard because... Uh, most of them became just app developer, mobile developer, or web developer. And we're trying to bring them in and showing them Bitcoin and, and trying to get them passionate about this stuff. Not only Bitcoin. Uh, we, we say we are a cypherpunk hackerspace, so we do uh, privacy tech in general, like all the cypherpunk stuff, not just Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is a big part, obviously. So that's actually an interesting point because, again, you have an itch, you scratch it, you go down it, and then you go on to the next thing. One of the areas in your space, and I I don't know if you do it in Pleblop and maybe in Bob's space, but you did you guys get that 3D printer yet? Oh, yeah. We have a 3D printer. Uh, we have a CNC. Actually, after we uh, recorded the podcast with you, 
uh, I don't remember his name, uh, but he was an American guy. He contacted us on Twitter and he was like, I have a CNC that I'm not using, like a desktop CNC. Can I send it to you? So he just uh, sent it to us. So now we have a 3D printer CNC. Um, that's it. Oh, fancy now, CNC? No, like a, a desktop. Uh, but you can, I think you can do like aluminum parts. Like, oh, wow, that's fancy. Oh, so I haven't tried yet. I will but, say that's another really cool thing about having a third space is people send you the most amazing weird shit yeah, all like, the time. Yeah. Like Josh just fe like fields all these different packages and, you know, opens them up. It's like, oh, yeah, here is another poster to soap to <laughs> produce to God only knows what else. But it's been awesome. That's I, I will say, like, you know, obviously having a Bitcoin focus, but being able to bring in a broader audience, it seems like that's another commonality. Uh, amongst, so do you guys have anything else that's outside of Bitcoin uh, at your space or even in Pleb Lab? Uh, yeah, we get uh, we do workshops every week there, so um, we'll get people like Visa, PayPal, like you know the typical companies uh, come in and ask questions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. N not us. I we keep it Bitcoin focused, and then maybe too heavy a concentration even because. Even John and I were talking about, hey, maybe we need to be a little bit more, what's the word, accommodative? Of no. Normies. So, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> then maybe we keep going. <laughs> well, I how about this? I Sorry to cut you off. What do you mean by accommodate, accommodative? No, I mean, generally speaking, I think one of the things that, we, you know, we do kind of what you do, which is, you know, give a preamble about, you know, what we're talking about. No shilling, no shitcoining, etc. Um, and then when we do... Just because, and I don't know if you guys do this, but we actively talk to people and, you know, tell them up front if they're kind of crossing the line. And then if they still don't stop, we, we say, well, yeah, kick them out, leave. But we haven't had to do that yet because generally once we sort of give that warning, it kind of stops, right? So, yep. yeah. So uh, Mills uh, recommended this book to me way back in the day, The Art of Hosting, I think it was, it was called. And um, you, setting the general guidelines and then enforcing those guidelines, the guests actually appreciate it more as the host that you're the one that is enforcing and they understand what's the point of this like gathering, right? So just being consistent and respectful I think goes a long way and then building up that like foundation of the uh, community. Cause uh, at least from my experience, once you start like seeping in and like, you know, losing a little bit, I'll say this are is Will Owens here, by the way, from the Vanderbilt blockchain club. It kills me to even fucking say that, but I say it. Um, they have the Vanderbilt blockchain club and, you know, obviously they get a ton of money from all these other crypto things and so on. And those guys came over to our, I think it was bit was their first one actually. And, uh, you know, we could have easily been like, you know, toxic and been like, get the hell out of here, blah, blah. But we're like, you know what? Come on in. You work from here and so on. And they did. And then all of a sudden now Will's this like based Bitcoiner spinning up, you know, coin, uh, cold cards and doing all this thing. And then he sends me and Steve Myers a note like, hey, this summer of Bitcoin thing, um, should I apply? I'm like, absolutely. And I forget how many uh, applicants uh, applied. Well, he was one of the 10 or 15 folks that got accepted. And he was working on PayJoin. So out of nothing from a no-coiner to the blockchain club, and now he's a base Bitcoin dev, which is pretty freaking cool. So round of applause to Will. 
So I'm less toxic nowadays because I got four kids and I'm just trying to be more chill in my life. Um, so I'm trying to be more accommodating, I guess. And that's my way of being more accommodating. Um, I definitely want to open it up for questions and so on. Um, and I'm going to ask these guys one question and one closing thoughts after we're done with questions. Um, knowing what you know now, would you do this again? Um, yeah, I would have done it a completely different way. Well, how so? Um, Cause you inherited this. Yeah. Um, I would have just done it with me and Keon to be honest. And then we would have still brought, simplified it a little bit more, yeah, simplified the revenue we should model. Have, I should have just spent some of my Bitcoin and like just me and Keon get a little hacker house for like 1500 bucks and invite our friends. I would have just done it that way. And it would have still been successful. Yeah. So the cost may have been too much to eat off at first. And then maybe the complexity at the, the size of all the things that you wanted to do. So maybe your recommendation for your future for your past self was to start a little smaller with a core group. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, we were at TabConf last week and I gave a talk on how to build your own hackerspace. So definitely check that out. If you want to know how to do it. Um, I just threw everything in there. Cause I'm just like, you know, let everybody, you know, this is my blueprint, you know, maybe you, you can do it. But, um, Andre asked me, he's like, yo car, if you had to, he asked a question in the audience, he's like, yo car, if you had to do it all over again, what would you have done different? You had one wish. And I was like, I wish I had seven wishes, but if I could have one wish, um, I would have like extended runway at all costs, you know, doing it this way. Um, so, yeah, lesson learned. You live and learn as a builder in Bitcoin and then you just adjust on the fly. You guys have been very helpful with uh, with that progress that we're trying to make there. So just appreciative of everybody who's come up and like showed support. So, Alecos. Uh, yeah, so I would definitely do it again. Uh, the main thing I think I learned was how much of an effort it is. I was definitely underestimating it. Uh, also, I mean, maybe you live in a better country than Italy. The bureaucracy side for us was terrible because I was the only one managing it and it took me a ton of time. We are set up as a non-profit entity legally. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a mess. So that took me way more than expected. Um, but other than that, I think on the financial side, we were careful enough. So we kind of um, planned. Uh, we, we did start small. We started with a, kind of a small place. We didn't try to overdo it. So I think on the financial side, it's not that we are, um, we're still kind of struggling, obviously, because we're at the beginning. But we, we were wise enough to, to start very small. And, and um, so I don't know. I think on that, on that side, everything went fine. On the time, effort, especially from my side, from for the bureaucracy, that was yeah, painful, way more than expected. But yeah, but yeah, we'll do it again, sure. Awesome. Yeah, you know, we were at TapCon and we were joking, right? And I guess if I were to answer, the, the logical side of me would probably say no. But when I look back on it, all the projects or companies have started, looking back on it, the logical side would say no. And then, but being honest with myself, you know, when we lead our lives, we're not only ruled by the head, right? We're also ruled by the heart. So in that sense, each time I started something, and I always, and, and again, I always have to answer to the spouse, right? Because she'll ask. And generally speaking, and, and it's the truth, at each time that I started, you know, something, including Bob Space, there was nothing else I could do. I could not do anything else. If I didn't do this, I can't go to sleep until I do this. So that's kind of 
Why? Well, and then basically the real answer is, yeah, absolutely, I would do it again. Why? Because I had no other choice. No, absolutely no other choice whatsoever. If I didn't do this, I couldn't sleep. I would not sleep again. So I did. I can just ask you guys a million questions because I'm so curious about each of your guys' stories. But um, please, closing thoughts start with you, Piccolo. Yeah, and maybe I'll steal some materials from you, Rod, from Tapcon. But I would say before jumping into starting a third space, start small. Maybe organize your meetups first and get to a certain level of scale where you have a consistent core group of people sort of coming. And I guess it's different for different places, right? I think, Rod, your number was like 100, something like that. But if you were in a smaller city or a place where, you know, the cost of living, cost of rent is lower, that number can then be adjusted accordingly. You know, set a number. And once you reach it, um, you know, that's where you know that it's potentially viable to start a third space. Of course, I say all that. I did none of that. I just, I just went the Kevin Costner route. Build it and they will come, you know, and well, I'm sitting here. So there we go. There we go, man. I like this. Um, I don't know. I would say, well, maybe listening to us uh, talking about opening spaces and all the, the painful, you know, financial and other mistakes that can be discouraging. I would say still, uh, I think it's super rewarding to build a space like that. So definitely, if, you, if you're thinking about it, definitely do it. Um, consider maybe adapting the space um, to the local needs. So I think one, one thing we did was uh, we figured there are not that many Bitcoiners here. Okay, let's make a cypherpunk like a space. Let's, let's make more of a more of an open. Obviously, no shit coins, no uh, yeah, <laughs> no shit coins allowed. But maybe you can open it up a little bit to more than just Bitcoin, um, because then eventually when people come, they'll pay with Bitcoin for the membership. They pay with Bitcoin for the kind of whatever. Uh, and so they, they, you can still introduce people to Bitcoin. So even if your goal is to build a Bitcoin space, maybe if you don't think there's the market for, for, for that, maybe try, I don't know, adapting it to the local needs. Um, but yeah, do it because it's, it's really cool and, and rewarding eventually. Sorry, can I add to that? That's a good point because actually, if you, kind of, you guys kind of think about it, Bitcoin is, you know, a it's a, a great tool, but it's nonetheless a tool in your sovereign toolkit, right? So actually, if you have, you know, supplementary stuff where you can educate and teach people on other tools of freedom or tools of sovereignty, I think that goes very well with Bitcoin. I think it's also important to just have fun. So, for example, one thing I want to do in our space is organize uh, robot battles, like, you know, like battle bots, but in, in, on a smaller scale. That, I mean, it has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Maybe there's going to be a Bitcoin prize pool. But other than that, it's just, let's attract people, let's have fun. And then when, when we're there, when we're hanging out, maybe somebody will say, can I get a Coke? Yeah, you can pay with Bitcoin. And, and they, you know, they slowly learn about Bitcoin. I think that's the only way, at least for us in, in that small town, that there's no way to, to have a Bitcoin-only space for Bitcoin developers only, like there would be nobody coming. So I think maybe consider the other aspects, not just always Bitcoin, let's just, again, have fun and then make a comf- cozy place, like a, a place that people want to uh, come to um, besides Bitcoin, just, just because it's cool, and then you slowly bring them into Bitcoin. 
uh, I keep it. I'm going to keep it really simple, just on my final thoughts. Um, I'd leave you all with this. Um, so I think I think what I've seen so far is like the you know there's like what's that now? It's kind of like the tree, right? That you guys have here, where it breaks off into stems and then it makes like branches and stuff a tree? like that. Like a tree. <laughs> um, I would say like focus on just making impact and whatever that means for y'all individually, um, because like a tree, it'll start branching off and make twigs and then leaves and then bear fruit. I would keep it very, very sim- simple as that, just as being a Bitcoiner. Uh, and because it's really interesting when you start doing this a long time, you start seeing what happens by you just focusing just on that and what comes of it. And then you can look back later and be like, oh, cool. Like, there's my thumbprint there. So I would say do that. Really well said. Please give these folks a round of applause. All right.